Though I'm an employee of Ronald Blue Trust, Talking Money represents my individual views and not those of my employer or any sponsor of the program. During the program, I may discuss market trends as well as specific financial planning techniques and investment ideas. These discussions are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations to any individual or organization. Work with your attorney or accounting or investment professional for specific individual advice and services. Any securities or investment products discussed on Talking Money are not insured by the FDIC, are not a deposit or other obligation of or guaranteed by any bank, and are subject to investment risks, including possible loss of principal amount invested. Good morning and welcome to another Talking Money. This is Certified Financial Planner Professional. I have to add that for the CFP board to, to make it accurate. See Certified Financial Planner Professional, Mike Miller, your host for today. And once again, Eddie Holland joins me on the microphone in the studio live today to answer your Social Security questions. We were on last week for part one of the Social Security saga, we'll call it. There's a lot, there's a lot to Social Security. We won't even cover everything today. We'll, we'll hit most of the highlights. So if you missed last week, go to TalkingMoneyRadio.com. And that website has the, I think we posted it on Thursday or Friday from last week. So you've got to listen to that as a podcast anytime you want. Fast forward and do whatever you want to with that to get the information you need. And I had some great questions. Um, and Russ called in. We had a number of questions from Russ that took a fair amount of the first couple of segments. But it was they were great questions. So if you missed any of that, I encourage you to go back to TalkingMoneyRadio.com. So we uh, are going to continue that conversation today. And, and Eddie, I've... I've heard a lot of different shows on the radio, uh, this station, other stations where people talk about Social Security, and you'll, you'll hear different opinions. And some of them say, always take it to 70. Some say, always take it as early as you can or as soon as you stop working, that kind of thing. And and we've always advised clients that there is really no one best way. So um, what, are some, what are some reasons why you might delay or some of the reasons you might want to actually take Social Security? early. Yeah, great questions, Mike. And part of that, uh, I think, is important to determine a baseline for Social Security. So when you mentioned delaying it until age 70, mm -hmm. taking it as early as age 62, those are kind of the beginning and end date. So you can take Social Security on your own record as early as age 62. Of course, you're subject to a reduction, as you just referenced. That reduction, there's a formula that the Social Security Administration applies and I won't bore you with a lot of details, but suffice it to say that there's a reduction that, that uh, applies each month that you take it early. So it's not annual. It is a monthly change, monthly reduction. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. And um, the barometer that they use is your full retirement age. And so your full retirement age is based on the year that you were born. And we covered that in the last segment. But let's just assume that somebody has a full retirement age of 67. Then they can take it five years earlier than 67 at age 62 but it's subject to a reduction. And if they take it all the way up to, to uh, or take it as early as 62, uh, that reduction is pretty significant. And if they delay it past age uh, 67, they get an 8% uh, per year increase. And that, that increase is applied on a monthly basis. So it's two thirds of 1% per month, which equates to 8% per year that a person may receive that increase. They call it a delayed retirement credit from full retirement age to age 70. So some of the considerations are obviously very contingent upon the, the reduction or the benefit. 8% is, is pretty hard to, uh, to come by um, right now because uh, there's no guarantee. 8% inflation is, is obviously high, 
but bond prices are lower right now because the treasury yields kind of fluctuating and so there's a lot of headwind in the fixed income market to guarantee an eight percent increase so a lot of people are are looking at that and and sort of salivating over that eight percent understanding that they get an eight percent per year the bad part is that you have to delay the benefit so you don't have income coming in. So if you've retired... You're forgoing, you're forgoing the earlier benefits in order to get a higher benefit later. Correct. Yeah. But you have to supplement that cash need somewhere if you have retired. Right. And so whether that comes from your portfolio, whether you have a pension, whether you received an inheritance, whether your spouse is still working, all of those are factors to consider to determine should I delay my Social Security benefit or should I take it early? And as we talked about last week, God doesn't tell us when we're going to die, which which would be a an absolute certain way for me to tell you how you should take your Social Security benefits because I know exactly when you're going to die. Yes, that would be very important uh, and very useful information. But like you said, we don't have that, so we have to. Base don't want to know. Effect. Absolutely, yeah. Neither you or I. We established that last week. We don't we don't want to know at all. So um, let's talk about why people are recommending that you take it early, or why they may say take it late. And right. you and I talked off air. One of my biggest uh, concerns and frustrations is that we have this cookie-cutter approach where one size fits all. The recommendation is you either take it early, you delay, or you take it at full retirement age. And that makes no sense to have such a cast a broad net to say, okay, that applies to everybody. Because as you mentioned before, if we knew when somebody was going to die, then that would make the planning easy. If we look at from a Social Security standpoint, um, the actuaries – assign a date of death, a projected or predicted date of death to each Social Security participant. So if you die on the precise day that the actuaries assumed that you were going to die, then whether you took it at 62, 64, 67, 69, it, 70, doesn't, matter. it doesn't matter. Actuarially, it's the same. Yes, yes. And so I, the, the illustration I use when I uh, speak on Social Security at Michelin and other places is I use the analogy Uh, when we were in middle school of the trains and it would say train a leaves the station going x miles an hour train b leaves the station 10 minutes later going x miles an hour faster Mm -hmm. at what point does train b catch up with train a well we know that at some point because train b is going faster it's going to catch up well from an actuarial standpoint they all land at the same spot of the track at your actuarial date of death Mm -hmm. so whether there were eight trains or 12 trains or two trains running on the track if you die on your precise expected date of death, all the trains are at the same spot. Now, how often that happens? Probably <laughs> very, never. very, maybe yeah, never. <laughs> yeah, very, very um, earlier or year later. Yes, yeah. yes, exactly. And so at that point, it becomes okay. What can we do to maximize our social security? Mm-hmm. But some goals, Mike, are greater than maximizing social security. What we concern ourselves with when we're con- uh, consulting clients is we're concerned about maximizing net wealth not Social Security benefits. And that can be a key distinction because if you delay, let's say you retire at 62, you delay until age 70. Well, where's that money going to come from over the next eight years? If you have a desire to um, care for kids in uh, after death, in inheritance, you could potentially pass some assets along to kids through your portfolio, but you cannot pass Social Security benefits to kids in most situations. So you could potentially draw down an asset that you can pass to kids with the goal of maximizing your Social Security. But in actuality, what you may have done is minimized or not maximized your net worth or your net wealth, which is a a key component. And that's why we really spend a lot of time talking with clients about what are your goals? Because obviously with 
clients that may not have kids, you may say, well, they don't need to maximize their net wealth. Well, they may have a really strong charitable desire. They want, they may want to give a certain dollar amount to charities. So that's important for us to understand where we may say, okay, let's take pressure off the portfolio and take social security early because you want your portfolio to grow for charity and charities can't receive social security benefits either. No, nobody can. Once they stop giving them, nobody's going to get them. Yes, that's right. Uh, What about just from a spousal survivor standpoint? Yes. So if your benefit is lower than your spouse's benefit and your spouse passes away first, you are eligible to receive a survivor benefit. That survivor benefit is whatever your spouse was receiving or was entitled to receive at his, excuse me, his or her death. So let's assume that we have husband and wife. Let's say wife is the lower wage earner. Husband passes away at age 68, having never collected his benefit. Depending on the wife's age, assuming she's at least full retirement age, she's eligible to receive what her husband would have received had he started drawing at 68. It does not revert back to what his full retirement age is or what his 62 benefit was. It's whatever his benefit was, whether he was receiving it or not, at his date of death. And then it's um, based on the, the, the surviving spouse's age, as long as he or she, in this case, the lady, is full retirement age, she gets whatever her deceased husband would have been receiving at his date of death. All right, we want to unpack that just a little bit more when we get back to the break. We'll be back with the second part of Talking Money in just a few minutes. Ronald Blue Trust is pleased to sponsor Talking Money. Ronald Blue Trust has distinct divisions that work with clients across the wealth spectrum, private wealth, everyday steward, family office, and the professional athlete division. The company's largest division, private wealth, is designed to provide financial guidance for clients with an investable net worth of a million dollars or higher. Private wealth advisors can provide advice in many areas, including managing cash flow, growing assets while decreasing debt, overseeing investment portfolios, developing tax-efficient estate and strategic giving plans, and utilizing trust services if needed, all with a big picture in view. The Private Wealth Division has 16 offices across the United States, including Greenville. For more information on Ronald Blue Trust offices and the advisors serving there, please visit ronblue.com. Ronald Blue Trust is a trademark used by Thrivent Trust Company and Thrivent Trust Company of Tennessee Incorporated, separate affiliated entities. Now back to Talking Money. We're coming up at about 19 after the hour here on Talking Money. This is Certified Financial Planner Professional Mike Miller, your host for Talking Money. And I did uh, need to make sure we're talking about Social Security. I want to make sure I, I remind everyone that we don't know everything about Social Security, especially as it replies, applies to your particular situation. So whenever you are, whenever you are going to uh, make a decision on Social Security, we can give you a lot of advice. But, of course, you want to check with the Social Security Administration. But then, of course, I'll, I'll – remind you to be careful there because the answer you get the first time may not be the right answer. So uh, you may need to check back with us. I know Eddie, Eddie Holland, uh, my guest for today, has gone to Social Security Administration a number of times and or at least talked to him on the phone to, to correct some of the information you've gotten there. So just it's one of those things you, you know, multiple advisors should should help you with that a lot. So just be careful with Social Security. And if you've got a question for me, it's 877-235. 9405 you can send a text or of course you can call us like uh, billy has from greer send uh, give us a call so we'd love to answer your questions about social security all right let's go to billy on uh, from greer welcome billy to talking money good morning enjoy your show great thanks for listening um I, this is a social security question okay. uh is there any penalty for my wife who just turned 65 in october 
to continue working for a year or two years and still draw Social Security? All right, good question. We covered just a little bit of this last week, but uh, I think it's a good question that comes up a lot, so it's good to to answer that question as well. So, Eddie? Yes. Billy, great question. So, um, the answer is yes. If she is younger than full retirement age and she is earning over a certain dollar amount, and that dollar amount changes every year, it's based on inflation. So, for 2022, the annual dollar amount is $19,560. That monthly amount is 1630 so billy when is do you know when her full retirement age is uh she's 65 so i think it's 66 in three months okay and so. what year was she born if she's 65 now what was that 1957 56 56 56 okay um so um her full retirement age would be 66 in four months four months okay yeah so this year um the dollar amount that's going to apply is $19,560. That's an annual amount. If she makes over $1,630 each month, then she would be potentially subject to a reduction, and that reduction is $1 for every $2 over that monthly amount. Does she ever get that back? Yes. So what happens is any uh, reduction based on the earnings limit goes into a pot, that money is held until she reaches her full retirement age, which is 66 in four months. And then at 66 in four months, she will start receiving an incremental increase. They will they will drip that back into her benefit over a period of time. Now, how long that takes, Billy, your guess is as good as mine. I shared on the last uh, se- uh, program. I'm, I have yet to get a clear answer from Social Security or anybody else that I've talked to regarding how how long it takes to receive those reduced benefits but she will get them back incrementally beginning when she reaches full retirement age. Okay. Uh, all right. That's great. That's good to know. I appreciate your answer. Thank you very much. Right, great. Thanks for the call, Billy. Have a great weekend. Okay. All right. Take Bye-bye. care. Uh, so, um, you know, my, my guess would be if they were trying to do actuarially that they probably have it spread out actuarially evenly between the time you start social security and the time they have you calculated as dying. Yes. That, that have been my uh, presumption. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. But who knows? It it is the government. Exactly. Okay. So before the break, we were talking about reasons to take the, the money, the social security earlier reasons to maybe take it later. And, and I asked you about, what about the spousal survivor? So you used the illustration of someone who died at 68, but they had not started taking Social Security. Um, and then the, the surviving spouse would be eligible for whatever they would be eligible for at age 68 had they lived and started taking it. So what about age, somebody's age 75, 80, and they, and they delayed it till age, age 70? Is that a reason to, to wait till age 70? Yes, absolutely it is. And so as we talked uh, in the first segment, delayed retirement credits, two-thirds of 1% per month, past full retirement age up to age 70. So someone that you just described that's 75 or 80, they were their full retirement age would have been 66 most likely. So in that scenario, um, they would have received delayed retirement credits of 8% per year for four years, yeah. 32% higher benefit because of the delay. And then what you just described, Mike, is exactly correct. The surviving spouse, let's say that the husband passed away at 75 or 80. Let's say that the wife, the survivor, is a couple of years younger. So let's say that she's 77 and the husband is uh, 79. He passes away. She's now eligible, regardless of what her benefit is, as long as it's smaller or lower, then 
um, she's eligible to step up and start receiving what the husband was receiving at at uh, during his lifetime. Mm-hmm. So it becomes a survivor benefit. So that is absolutely one reason to potentially delay Social Security benefits is because that survivor benefit, which could be very beneficial to the surviving spouse, could be much higher because of those delayed retirement credits. Yeah, we've seen people who had a retirement plan, and when they decided to take that retirement plan, they decided to do life-only benefits, which means there was there was no survivor benefit. So that's even more important for that surviving spouse to have access to a higher Social Security benefit because they weren't they aren't going to get any of the, of the delayed retirement plan benefits. So uh, unfortunately, too many times we've seen individuals, uh, callers, clients who've come in and and unfortunately other financial shows that talk about just their own employees age as the yes. as the sole reason why they would say take it at age 66 or take it early because you're it's going to take you 14 years for a, a payback or whatever it is for their age as opposed to thinking no 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 you don't want to think of just yourself you want to think of yourself and if if, if you have a spouse a surviving spouse having access to that because whether we guys like it or not, our, our spouses and women live longer than we do. I think it's right. about five years typically. Talk about actuarial data. That, that The actuaries yeah. will tell you that. And so, Mike, I know we're getting a call, but let me mention briefly. In the scenario that we just talked about, husband passes away, wife jumps into the survivor benefit seat. At that point, she's not eligible to collect her own and survivor. It's either or, the higher right. of the two. So I know that's come up in many of the seminars that I've spoken. And so I just want to clarify, it's the higher of your own benefit yeah. or a survivor benefit, not both. It's, it's interesting that they do give you a choice. They <laughs> do. Like, yes. Why wouldn't I take the higher benefit? It <laughs> seems like a no-brainer. But anyway, we got Gene calling us from Clemson. Good morning, Gene, and welcome to Talking Money. Hey, good morning, Mike. Love the show. Great. Um, real quick, two questions, if I may. The first one is when you were talking about the Social Security um, calculating your date of death or anticipated date of death in calculating the the monthly amounts right what rate of return do they use to do, do that or is it just a sum of the dollars that they would anticipate paying out so at, my understanding gene is that it's even more rudimentary than that they just look at your year of birth and they say okay most people uh, as we've been tracking here's kind of an average date of death that we've seen based on your year of birth so it, it's not scientific by any stretch which is one of the reasons why we encourage clients to think through family genetics and life history of, of parents and siblings and those types of things, which the Social Security Administration is not getting that technical. Yeah, I think they're just taking okay. actuarial tables, and they and the government puts it out every 10 years or so long and says, Here, here's how long the average person who is 60 is going to live. This is when they'll die. Insurance companies use it. Everybody uses it. This, but this is a, an average. That's like uh, Eddie said, it's so important to, to know your own situation and, and family history and that kind of stuff. Sure. Um, the other question I had is once you reach full retirement and if you choose not to take uh, Social Security at that point, you're still working, do they still uh, deduct money you know, towards Social Security past your retirement date if you're working? Yes, they do. And so that would be the case even if you're drawing your benefit. So we've had some clients that have continued to work but started drawing their benefit at full retirement age, which they're not subject to an earnings limit reduction, but they are still paying into the Social Security Administration, which pains some clients to have to be able to do that but here's a here's one benefit your social security benefits are adjusted every year and so if you're continuing to work then you could potentially be increasing your social security benefit they take the highest 35 years of wages 
And so if the current wage replaces one of the highest 35 years next year when they reassess, then you could see an incremental increase in your Social Security benefits factoring in the the new money that you earned the previous year. Right. Okay. Great. Thanks. So, I appreciate your, your answers. Yeah, great questions, Gene. Thanks for calling. Anything else? No, that's it. Thank okay, you. Okay, great. Have a great weekend. You okay. Too. So, yeah, that uh, is interesting about the – uh, the delaying and and when somebody's working, you think, why, why should I still have to pay the, the taxes in? Because I'm past Social Security age. But yeah, you do potentially increase. It may not be a lot of increase, but it, and certainly not not as much as you might get from Social Security if you just stopped working. Right. But you're going for that eight percent return plus whatever increase it, you might get because you lopped off a year 35 years ago that was a lower earning year than your current year, which yes. theoretically that should be the case. It if should you're still be working it, it, unless you're working part time or you've negotiated some type yeah. of salary uh, reduction. But absolutely, yeah, you're normally the longer you work, the higher you get paid is is generally the trajectory. That's, that's usually the incentive. Absolutely, yeah. Well, and <laughs> and if you think incentive. about it, it's it's uh you've got more brain capital and more power and more experience to come to the table and, and be able to. So you're valuable to the comp, uh, company in many ways at that point. All right, we get back. We're going to talk a little bit about taxes uh, because especially higher earners uh, when it comes to Social Security benefits and, and how your Social Security is taxed and so forth and the Medicare premium that goes on top of that and how much that we touched on that a little bit last week. We want to make sure we have a good understanding of that. And we get back. We'll be back after this short break. Ronald Blue Trust is pleased to sponsor Talking Money. Ronald Blue Trust has distinct divisions that work with clients across the wealth spectrum. One division is Everyday Steward, which serves clients who are just getting started to those with an investable net worth ranging from $100,000 up to a million. For those desiring objective, biblical principles in their investments, cash flow management, financial planning, which includes retirement, insurance, tax, and estate, and their giving, Ronald Blue Trust's Everyday Steward advisors can serve as their clients' stewardship coaches, so they can focus on a living a life of purpose. For more information about Everyday Stewart and the other divisions of Ronald Blue Trust, they can be found at ronblue.com. Ronald Blue Trust is a trademark used by Thrivent Trust Company and Thrivent Trust Company of Tennessee Incorporated, separate affiliated entities. Now back to Talking Money. And welcome back to Talking Money. This is Certified Financial Planner Professional Mike Miller, your host of Talking Money. Glad you're with us today. As you've noticed, if you haven't noticed already and you're a newer listener to Talking Money, you'll see that notice that it's not a sales program. We're here to educate. And today we're educating about Social Security. So we want to take uh, Randall, who's calling us from Simpsonville. Oh, got to turn your radio off if it's in the background there, Randall. So uh, thanks for thanks for holding on. Yeah, my wife and I are both 68 years old. She okay. started drawing her Social Security at 66 when she was uh, – uh, at full retirement age, I'm, I'm delaying mine till 70. The question is, uh, and, and we're covered under my wife's health insurance. Uh, she's still working full time for a, a government job, anticipates retiring probably, possibly sometime next year. At what point do we have to make our decision about Medicare? Because right now we're covered under her Blue Cross Blue Shield, which we can still carry into retirement. Yeah. Are you retired, Randall, too, or are you still working? I'm retired. You're retired. Oh, wow. Lucky you. So you, your wife's still working, and she must love her job. 
She does. Okay. She, she's keeping us from traveling by working, though. Okay. <laughs> All right. So you're eager to, 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 to some. If she's if she's listening today, there's another hint. Okay, Eddie. Yes. So Randall, as long as you're covered by credible coverage, and um, I'm assuming that your wife's employer has at least 20 employees. Government jobs, you said. So okay. We yeah. assume. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, as long as as long as she's employed by an employer with more than 20 employees, then. Uh, she's eligible to delay Medicare enrollment as well as you. As long as you're on the plan and you have credible coverage, then you and she can stay on that plan as long as she's working. When she retires, then at that point, both of you guys will begin to enroll in Medicare's Part A and B. I don't know. Did you enroll in Part A when you turned uh, 65? And um, obviously, in her case, if she's drawing Social Security, she's at least enrolled in Part A um, because that's a prerequisite if you're past age 65, have you enrolled in part A as well? We both did at age 65. Okay. Okay. So yeah, you can delay enrollment in part B until she retires. And then what you'll do when you apply for Medicare, it's what they call a special enrollment period. You'll have to produce a document that confirms that you and she were covered by her employer. It's what they call credible coverage, but there will be no penalty for that part B premium uh, because you've been on, on or had credible coverage. Great. Randall, does that cover it? Or you have another question? No, that, that covers it. I, I appreciate it. The, the other question I could add to that is, is kind of a, uh, an add-on. But uh, Blue Cross Blue Shield will subsidize half of our Medicare costs, our, our premiums each month. So we struggle with, do we need to get Medicare and continue having the blue cross blue shield i don't want to give up the blue cross blue shield because it's good coverage uh with a you know out-of-pocket maximum of about ten thousand dollars for each of us so but I, then again i don't want to have to pay six or eight hundred dollars a year for i mean a month for health insurance if I, it's not necessary so when your when your wife so just, retires will she be eligible to receive retiree health insurance that basically uh, serves as a medicare supplement plan well, yes, she'll, she'll continue with her Blue Cross Blue Shield coverage. And even if uh, she predeceases me, I'll be able to carry that coverage also yes. through in, until I die. Okay. Yeah, that's that's pretty common based on the government jobs and some of the school system jobs um, in, in the upstate and, and across South Carolina is that the supplemental plan through the retiree coverage um, is is fairly robust. It it tends to be a, as good or sometimes even better than a Medicare supplement plan that you can buy on the open market. So, assuming that it's the same type of coverage, it it will be most likely subsidized. So you're not having to pay the full premium. Then I would encourage you to remain on that plan. Um, like I said, assuming that it's it is covering as much as the Medicare supplement plans would. So did I hear your part of your answer correctly? That you're wondering whether or not you should go ahead and and take Medicare. Medicare Part B because they would pay for half of that. Correct. I, I'm just wondering if I'm I'm getting yeah. the most bang for my buck by getting Medicare Part B if I've got uh, you know good coverage through Blue Cross yeah. Blue Shield. Do I need both both insurance plans? Our, our health issues are, are minimal. I'm yeah. 68. I don't take any medication. Uh, I have no outlining health issues. Uh, my wife's health is is relatively good. So just yeah. curious as to whether it. Most people take both. Uh, I don't know. I passed around as much as I could with friends and coworkers uh, through the part-time jobs that I've taken since uh, retirement, and I've not been able to get a 
right. a good idea what right. the right decision is. It's too many choices. Generally speaking, Randall, the answer to that question is no. If you have coverage through an employer plan, then Part B, it's not going to really supplement very much of what the employer plan doesn't. Uh, it may fill in a few gaps, but the premium that you're not having to it. pay yeah. normally far outweighs the benefit that you receive through uh, yeah. what I would call incremental um, benefit yeah, especially with minimal health issues i would say yeah don't take the don't take the medicare part b just stick with the way you're doing it now okay well gentlemen i appreciate your help randall let you, me you, ask uh, you one question you picked my my interest when you said you're you and your wife are both 68 no she's she's 66 i uh, know you're both 68 she took 68. it yeah, 68. she took hers at 66 okay, okay so when did you turn 68 what month? I turned 68 January of this year, January 3rd. Okay, okay. You missed uh, a potential benefit by a couple of days. If you would have been Jan- uh, 68 on January 1st of – or if your birthday would have been January 1st of 1954. So if you'd have been 68 on January 1st instead of the 3rd, you could have potentially been eligible for what they call a restricted claim. So I just – I wanted to make sure that we weren't <laughs> leaving that on the table, but it sounds like uh, uh, you were a couple of days late to the party on that one. And it, yeah. it wasn't your fault, so that's okay. Yes. All right, Randall, thanks for the calls. Thanks for the questions. Thanks for the call. Thanks a lot, gentlemen. All right, have a great weekend. Have a good day. Okay, so we got uh, a few minutes here left uh, before we break. Let's go ahead and switch to Mark, who's calling us from Anderson. Good morning, Mark. Welcome to Talking Money. Good morning. Thanks. Uh, I am 68 years old now, so I'm going to file at age 70 two years from now. My wife is 62 this year, uh, turned 62 in July. My question is, should she go ahead and file or not? And then... If she does, then when she reaches full retirement age, can she then take one half of my benefit, which will be greater as a spousal benefit without a reduction? That's a great question. Um, and, and it's as you can imagine, Mark, it's, it's multifaceted. So let's address the first part of your question. Should she take it? A lot of that depends on um, your cash flow needs your legacy goals, your inheritance goals, your tax situation, multifaceted. So um, I would encourage you to consider more than just uh, she's 62, she's eligible. I would uh, recommend that you consider having more of a kind of a detailed analysis done to determine what other factors um, are coming into play. So let's take that off. You know, ma'am. Go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to say, I think it boils down to which will maximize the actual payment. We're we're good on the um, the legacy issues and the cash flow, so I think it's just okay. what will maximize the payout. Yeah. So I would say depending on um, family genetics, uh, life history from her parents, um, your parents, siblings, uh, it's what, what you're referring to is called a split strategy. The lower wage earner, and I'm assuming in, in her case, let me just – let me not assume, let me ask, are you the higher wage earner? Yes. That's right. My my full retirement age benefit would be about three thousand. Hers would be about one thousand. Okay. So in that case, she's eligible for a survivor benefit, assuming she outlives you. So if you predecease her, she's going to be eligible to, to to start receiving a survivor benefit at your death. That benefit is going to be much higher than her own benefit. So in this scenario, what you may consider is what they call a split strategy. Wife, lower wage earner, starts drawing it earlier subject to a reduction husband delays his until full retire i'm sorry till age 70 receives those delayed retirement credits so you're receiving in your case eight percent per year until age 70 and you're you're 
in one way you're almost having your cake and eating it too you're getting a little bit of a benefit now and then you're you're going to get a much higher benefit on your own record at age 70 the benefit the cake part is your wife's benefit right now now let me address the second part of the question when you start drawing your benefit she at that point is eligible for a spousal benefit right now she's only eligible for her own benefit the illustration i use is walking through a door each of you have a door that door is your own social security benefit your wife can walk through her door at any point in time once she turns 62 you have that same option until age 70 but your wife is only eligible to walk through your door as a spouse and start receiving a spousal benefit once you walk through the door so in your case you walk through the door you start receiving three thousand dollars per month depending on whatever your full retirement age benefit would have been so let's i'm just going to make something up let's say it's twenty four hundred dollars at that point social security says okay mark's benefit was twenty four hundred half of mark's benefit is twelve hundred his wife's benefit on her own record is a thousand so his wife's spousal benefit is the difference between the half of marks which is 1200 and the 1000 which is her own so the 200 dollars is the incremental spousal benefit the only time your wife is eligible to start receiving that 200 dollars is after you walk through the door and it's based on her age at that point which if i'm doing my math correctly she's probably going to be 63 or 64 so her reduction would be a little less than it would be at age 62 but it's not going to be a full benefit because she's still younger than her full retirement age. She'd technically be theoretically 64 then. She's 62 now. Two years later, he's 70. She's 64, so she's still have some reduction there. Right. Yeah. Yes. Okay, yeah. That was my real – the heart of my question was to see whether there would be still reduction in place when she um, – I guess if she reaches full retirement age, though, then the she can go for the half – of of my benefit and not have a reduction well not exactly because or, social security because it's the yeah well let because me just, it's dependent on the fact that she would have started at age 62 on her own right and social security has a clause that says that you have to take the higher of your own benefit or a spousal benefit if you're younger than full mm-hmm. retirement age so once you walk through your door and there would be no reason for you to delay past 70 you don't receive any more benefit so you would want to walk through your door at age 70. Depending on your wife's age at that point, she would have to start taking the spousal benefit, assuming it's higher than her own, and it would be subject to a reduction. So Social Security, in this instance, does not allow her to choose when to start the spousal. You're really deciding when you walk through the door. It automatically um, uh, enrolls her in, in the spousal benefit. Okay, great. I, I appreciate the insight. All yes, right, Mark. you're quite welcome. Thanks for the call. Have a great weekend. Take care. Yes, sir. All right, we are a little past time for our last break. We'll be back with the last segment of Talking Money in just a couple minutes. Ronald Blue Trust is pleased to sponsor Talking Money. Ronald Blue Trust has distinct divisions that work with clients across the wealth spectrum, private wealth, everyday steward, family office, and the professional athlete division. The company's largest division, private wealth, is designed to provide financial guidance for clients with an investable net worth of a million dollars or higher. Private wealth advisors can provide advice in many areas, including managing cash flow, growing assets while decreasing debt, overseeing investment portfolios, developing tax-efficient estate and strategic giving plans, and utilizing trust services if needed, all with a big picture in view. 
The private wealth division has 16 offices across the United States, including Greenville. For more information on Ronald Blue Trust offices and the advisors serving there, please visit ronblue.com. Ronald Blue Trust is a trademark used by Thrivent Trust Company and Thrivent Trust Company of Tennessee Incorporated, separate affiliated entities. Now back to Talking Money. we got a little less than 10 minutes uh, left in Talking Money today. I wanted to clarify one thing with uh, the previous caller and uh, that with him delaying his, he was 68, she was 62. Two. And um, one part we didn't answer was would what under what scenario would she be able to actually get 50% of his 70, age 70 benefit? So in that case, he, she would never be eligible to receive half of his age 70 benefit. A spousal benefit is always based on his full retirement age. So in his example, the I just pulled a number out of thin air, but I said his full retirement age is 2,400. His age 70 is 3,000. If his wife delayed taking any benefit, including her own, until her full retirement age, then at that point, she's eligible for half of his full retirement age benefit as a spouse. So the 2,400 was his full retirement age. Half of his would be 1,200. If she didn't draw any benefit until full retirement age, then at that point, she's eligible for the 1,200. Okay, so never gets half of the age 70. Never half of the So the spousal, you never get delayed retirement credits. It's only the survivor benefit that you get the full retirement age, or I'm sorry, the delayed retirement credits past full retirement age. Okay, all right. We've got a couple of calls. we got Wayne calling us from uh, Greenwood. And good morning, Wayne. Welcome to Talking Money. Good to hear from you again. Yes, I need to follow up on what Eddie said earlier about people who are still working and are getting benefits over and above the cost of living. During the Great Recession, I believe there were two years that Social Security recipients got no cost of living increase. But I had a client, still doing her for that matter, uh, who was 70 or more and still working, and she was making in the low 30s. And one of those years that ordinary Social Security recipients who were not working got no increase, I noted that she got a $23 a month increase in her Social Security benefits. When uh, The other thing is that you haven't talked about are the income tax implications. And the Social Security law, which has not been changed since 1994, is very discriminatory against married couples. Uh, that could be solved by creating a new filing status on the tax return, married but filing as single. And I say that because taxable benefits kick in so much quicker on a married couple than they do on a single person. And I had one yesterday that was talking about retiring next year at 65, but her husband is 62 this year and has already started drawing Social Security. And I said, okay, you're going to pay 10.2% of that back, and she's in the 12% tax bracket. I said 10.2% of the Social Security that you draw is going to go back to the federal government, whereas if he had waited until she retired, it likely would not have been 85% taxable. Yeah, those are great points, Wayne, and, and we actually covered that. We have not gotten to it this this um, program, but the previous program we talked about last week. Yeah. Like last week we talked about um, the tax implications, and you're exactly right because that that threshold is so low and it's not indexed for inflation. It exposes uh, quite a bit of, of potential income to taxation, which is one of the reasons why, to your point, when we meet with clients that are considering retiring, 
uh, we may de- recommend that they delay Social Security so that Uncle Sam gets a little less of that Social Security benefit if they're going to be in a lower tax bracket in the future. So the great points. All right, Wayne, thanks for the call, and thanks for the, uh, as always, thanks for the uh, the great input. Have a great always weekend. Always good to talk to you. All right, same here, Wayne. Let's go back to Billy, who's uh, called earlier, and I guess he's got a follow-up question. He's on his way to Columbia, so hopefully we won't lose him, and hopefully he will, uh, he's, he's just talking and driving, not texting and driving. <laughs> That's exactly right. Sorry about that. Uh, quick follow-up was my question is, uh, at what age can you work and still draw Social Security without being penalized? And Billy, that question, or the answer to that question is once you reach full retirement age. So the year okay. in which you reach full retirement age, the threshold goes up quite a bit. The 2022 numbers are 51,960. So $51,960 is the annual uh, threshold. And the reduction is less. It's one for every $3, $1 for every $3 over that amount. But once you reach full retirement age, then you can make as much as you want, a million dollars, and it's not going to be your, your Social Security benefit will not be subject to any reduction. Okay, good. Thank you very much. All right, Billy. Drive carefully. All right, bye-bye. All right, so uh, we've got about oh, uh, three and a half minutes or so left. Uh, I know you said you wanted to try to to unpack a little bit the restricted claim benefit because uh, we hit on that just I think most people can't do it anymore, but there are some uh, some people who still can. Yes, and let me go back to something Wayne said because he mentioned that cost of living adjustments uh, sometimes are zero. There's been multiple times, uh, really, over the last, let's just say, 15 years, 2010, 2011, and 2016, where Social Security did not receive a cost of living benefit. Yeah, no, or no inflation, essentially. Yeah. Correct. Right. Um, so that's uh, that's a great point by Wayne. Um, so, yeah, we talked about with one of the, the callers earlier, Mike. I asked him, he had said he had turned 68, and I asked him when his uh, birthday was. So for anybody that was 68 by January 1st of this year, so your birthday was at least January 1st of 1954 or earlier, then you could potentially be eligible for what's known as a restricted claim. So in the previous segment, we talked about walking through doors. You can walk through your own Social Security door. Your spouse can do the same. Mm -hmm. But in this scenario, your spouse could potentially walk through her door. So let's say in this gentleman's case, wife walks through at 62. Because he is at least 68 by January 1st, 1954, he would have been eligible to receive half of her full retirement age benefit. So in her case, even though she's taking it at age 62 and she's subject to a reduction, the spousal benefit amount would not be subject to a reduction because he's full retirement age and he met that that requirement of being 68 uh, at the beginning of this year. So that's why I jokingly told him that he had missed it by a couple of days. He was late to the party, and you were so um, adept at, at pointing out that it wasn't his fault. No, fault. So <laughs> he can blame uh, the good Lord or, or his parents, but it's not his fault. So um, His parents probably would have preferred December 31st anyway because they would have gotten a tax deduction uh, uh, exactly. for another year. Yes. <laughs> another year's worth yes. out of him. So, uh, yeah, okay, great great question on Social Security. So um just real quickly with a couple minutes we have left and we may talk about the some of the scams there but just from a tax standpoint what are some things people just need to really just keep in mind we, we don't have time to go into great detail about it but as you're thinking about taxes even with some of the weighing comments and some of the other callers we've had today and great great callers today we appreciate that uh what are some things to just summarize as we start wrapping up here wayne hit the nail on the head there are so many factors to consider when taking social security from a tax standpoint We've already talked about if you take it earlier than your full retirement age, you're subject to a reduction. If you're continuing to work, you're going to be subject to an earnings limit. But there's also some considerations 
Uh, if you are Medicare age and you're on Medicare Part B, then taking Social Security potentially increases your taxable income and your adjusted gross income, which thereby could potentially increase your Medicare Part B premium. It's what they call an IRMA mm-hmm. adjustment. Right. The other component, and we spend a great deal of time talking through this with clients, is as your income increases, there's a possibility that you could be jumping tax brackets. And so in this case, if a client's moving from the 12 to the 22% tax bracket, to 10% hit. Maybe they're moving from the 24 to the 32% tax bracket. That's an 8% hit. What you're trying to consider is, should we be doing Roth conversions, moving money from an IRA to a Roth? Benefit is you pay tax now, hopefully at a lower rate, put money in a Roth that grows tax-free for the rest of your life and the rest of your beneficiaries' lives. Yeah. And so there's a possibility that you can play maybe a, a little bit of a tax spread, but you want to be very sensitive that Social Security may increase your income, thereby reducing your amount, your your uh, possibility of doing more Roth conversions. Yeah, you also want to be real careful with some of these strategies that people are using, essentially trying to sell you life insurance to sell you something that adds a cost factor to it. Sometimes it works. I'm not saying you should never do it, but it's it's not the majority of people who should be thinking about doing those kind of things, I don't think. All right, so if you've got a question for Eddie, you want to talk to him at the office this week, 800-588-7526 is the number at uh, Ronald Blue Trust here in Greenville. Thanks, Eddie, for joining us. Thanks, Mike. All right, everybody have a great weekend. We'll talk to you next week for the next Talking Money.